0: <laughs> is that pretty good? You guys can hear me all right? Yes. In the back? Woo! Okay. So, you know, just like Kenny was sharing at the break, and uh, the people crying out, Hosanna or help us, like save us, and you're the one who can save us, that really is just the cry of everyone's heart. That's the longing that we all have. And... um just like the song was just saying, the goodness of God running after us. That's what we're crying out for. We want to experience that uh, now. And then also, what I'm going to be sharing on this morning is like the absolute fulfillment of that in the future when His goodness overtakes us forever. So, I'm, you know, we can experience His goodness now, right? But we're going to be looking at the renewal of all things. So let's just pray. So Father, we just thank you for speaking to us and help us to hear what you're saying this morning through your word and just help me to speak in a way that communicates in a way that people can can understand and uh, help us just to receive what you have for us this morning and uh, strengthen. Our hearts to pray that you would just your spirit would would ignite our hearts and strengthen our hearts with the hope that you've given us, yes. and um, we just ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. So, uh, the last time I shared, I uh, was in Matthew nineteen twenty-eight, and it was about hope and uh, the renewal of all things. Sorry, in verse 27, I'm just going to refresh memory just a little bit here. Peter answered him, We have left everything to follow you. What will there be for us? Jesus said to them, Truly, I tell you at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or farms for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. So I want to keep looking at this. Uh, Acts 3.19 says something very similar, and they're talking about the same thing. Uh, this is Peter preaching, and he says, Repent, therefore, and return that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may be may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you whom heaven must receive until the period of the restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time so we kind of looked at that last time and since then I've just been hungry to know more about it so I've been looking at it quite a bit more and That's what we're going to be looking at more in depth. I'm hoping to bring a little bit of clarity to what is the renewal of all things. Like, what is Jesus talking about? What was Peter saying? Like, you know, Jesus is going to be in heaven until this period of the restoration of all things. Like, what is that? Um, You know, I've kind of, you know, through this process discovered that in my mind, I've been lumping two things together together that should not be lumped together. Uh, and namely, those two things are heaven and the resurrection, or heaven and the renewal of all things. They're not the same. So we're going to look at that. And so I just want to say there might be some things this morning, like it's it's a big subject. I'm probably going to raise some questions. So I can't really stop because then we'd be here forever and ever uh, and answer questions as we go. But... Uh, just come find me afterward, and I'm happy to talk with anyone, you know, who has a question or get you some, like, a copy of my notes or whatever. We can talk. So just write down your questions and come find me. Um, so heaven and the renewal of all things, not the same, which sounds kind of crazy. I just, maybe not to you guys, but to me, that was kind of a big revelation. I was like, well, what do you, what do you mean? <laughs> They're not the same. Uh So we're going to look at this in under three headings. Uh, Number one, what does the renewal mean? And number two, what the renewal of all things is not. And three, the resurrection of the physical realm and the renewal of all things. And then I'm going to conclude. So number one, what is the renewal? What what does the word renewal mean? Or in Acts there, the the restoration of all things. You know, what do you think of when you... think of the word renew or restore. Like you're restoring an old car from the 40s or something, but you're you're starting with something that's in existence, right? You're starting with like an old car. Um, You're not creating something completely new. You're starting with something old and making it new again. You're restoring it back to what it was, right? Okay, so, you know, when Jesus says, he talks about this renewal of all things, you know, maybe we should go back and look at what he was doing in the first place, right? What is he making new again? So let's go to Genesis. And there's going to be a lot of scripture this morning. If you guys want to turn with me in your phone or your Bible, you know, just you can. You can. I'll try and give you a little heads up here. Uh, but Genesis chapter one, you know, the famous words in the beginning. You know, we see God creating the earth, the plants, the animals, and man. And uh, verse 31 says, And God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was what? Very Very good. Like what he made in the first place was very good. And chapter 2, verse 7 through 10 says, Then the Lord God formed man, of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living, breathing being. Or just a living being, sorry. And the Lord God planted a garden, which I think is awesome. He planted a garden toward the east in Eden. And there he placed the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing in the sight. I think that's also awesome. Like, He's like, I, that one looks really good. Like, he didn't plant the ugly tree. He's like, let's give him the good, you know, the, the, the beautiful one. I just said, you know, like, he plants every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. And he says, now a river flowed out of Eden to water the garden. So God makes a home for man. Like, anyone who's gotten into, like, creation science and stuff, you know, like, if the earth was just a little bit different, in almost any way, we wouldn't be able to survive here, right? Like distance from the sun, all of that. Even the seasons, like we just, he made it very suitable, very perfect for us. And he makes a home, you know, he plants this garden on planet Earth for uh, for mankind, for Adam and Eve. And uh, in verse 26 of chapter 1, it says, Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth. And in 3.8, he says, They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So I'm going to make some observations on that chunk in Genesis, but that's just kind of a refresher for your memory, like what God made in the first place. And it's not like what we have now, I don't think, just so you know. There's been a major event that happened between now and then, the fall. But uh, So observation number one, God makes Adam and Eve in his very own likeness and image, which is super significant. Two, he forms them to have a physical body and a spirit, right? Like, we have bodies. It's not a huge revelation, but it is kind of. Like, we're going to get to that. Like, it's a big deal. (laughs) Three, there was open and free fellowship with God on the earth. They were embarrassed. You know, that chunk that I read uh, in chapter 3, they were embarrassed because they had sinned. But... Hearing God in the garden and, you know, experience, it doesn't seem like they were shocked at that. Like, you know, it's like this was a normal occurrence. Like, they had fellowship with God. Okay, five, or four. uh, You see that God gave them a calling. He gave them a job to do, a purpose, you know, that they had given by him. And it was like their joy to do it. you know, Adam's naming the animals. Uh, in essence, God made man to express His image on the earth, like within the earth, both in fellowship with you know each other, but also just on this physical earth, to bear His image, to create like He does. And all this was put under slavery and decay because of sin, Uh, everything that God had made was tainted by decay and death when they chose to worship something else besides God. When they departed from that bearing God's image, everything fell apart. Instantly decay and death entered. And uh, this is what God is going to renew. And we're going to get there. So we're on to number two. What is not the renewal of all things? If you want to turn to 2 Corinthians uh, 4 and 5, I'm not going to read all of that, but chapters 4 and 5. I'm just pulling a small chunk out of that. uh, Verses 6 through 8. It says, Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. And we prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. So, heaven is not the renewal of all things. Because here we have Paul talking about what happens when we die. You know, our spirit leaves our body, and it immediately goes to be with Jesus. You know, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You know, it's an instantaneous thing. You're welcomed by Jesus immediately into his presence. But not your body, right? Just your spirit. So... If your body is in the ground and in the grave, how is that a restoration of all things? How is that the renewal of all things? You see what I'm saying? Because your body is not renewed. It is not restored at that point. So when we go to heaven, that is not the point that Jesus is talking about of the renewal of all things or the period of restoration. Is this making sense a little bit? Okay. Okay. Because it took me a long time to get there, so. <laughs> like it's okay i <laughs> i'm maybe I'm just really slow, but uh, so heaven is not the renewal of all things uh, if you want well, not if you want i just I want you guys to understand that i'm not belittling heaven in my what i'm saying this morning i'm not my aim is not to like discourage you in any way about going to heaven. What I'm just saying is, there is something after. It's like, but wait, there's more, you know, that thing. <laughs> like, And it's really, really good. Like, you thought heaven was going to be awesome? Okay, well, this is super awesome. So I just want to remind us, you know, what Paul says uh, about heaven. He says, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. And he says he has a desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. So, like Paul is saying, man, like I, it's far better to go to heaven at this point than to remain on the earth. So, heaven is very, very good. It is, after all, the dwelling place of the, the good God, Right? Will be in His presence, but there is a time. Uh, I could not come up with a, a good word um, to describe the period that you know, from when we die, let's say today, until the renewal of all things. Like our spirit is in heaven. Vacation is a. I don't know. That's the closest I can come up with. It's kind of bad, but <laughs> but I mean it's I mean uh, it's a waiting. Um, but I, it's a waiting without sorrow. I guess is is what I'm trying to get at. Is like it's going to be really good. Um, so Hosea thirteen fourteen is one of like my all time favorite verses for the last I don't know twelve or thirteen years, and I'm just going to read it in the New King James. Uh, It's God speaking. He says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be your plagues. O grave, I will be your destruction. Pity is hidden from my eyes. Like he's not going to pity death when he's killing it. He's like, I'm ready to kill you death. (laughs) As another version says, O death, Where are your thorns, O grave? Where is your sting? So when is this verse fulfilled? When is death defeated? When is the grave destroyed? The answer is the restoration of all things. And it leads us to our third point where Paul tells us exactly, he names the fulfillment of this verse. So if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians 15, if you're doing that, Do that now. It's going to be 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 50. And I am going to read a a good chunk here. It says, uh, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound... And the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when the perishable will have put on the imperishable, and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Did you catch that? The, the word then is really important. So when is it? It's the resurrection. When, and what Paul is talking about in 1 Corinthians 15 is the resurrection of your body. And it started with Jesus. That is why there was such a revolution with the early church. Because they understood that if he just conquered death and his body was raised from the dead he said he was going to do that for us. And they had a much clearer understanding of all this. Like, when Jesus was talking about the root of all things, they're like, we know what that is. Like, and the fact that he just rose from the dead means, like, he's he just proved it. Like, the, the kingdom of God is breaking in on the earth. And that really ignited the early church. So, At the resurrection of your body, that is when the saying is fulfilled, that God destroys death. That is the death blow of death. And then just finish that section of scripture, the sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, Paul's probably quoting from the Septuagint there, which is why it doesn't exactly match the stuff I read from Hosea. But Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is telling us when death dies. It is when our bodies are renewed and restored. And our body, you know, destroying death isn't really associated with heaven in Scripture. Death is destroyed when we get our bodies back. Only this time, there is literally no death. It will be impossible for us to die. Romans 6, 9 says, Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. And that becomes true for us. Death is no longer going to be master over our bodies. So, I don't know if... That's kind of exciting, just so you know. I mean, I don't know if anyone has ever been sick here <laughs> or getting tired of getting old. Like, I'm, you know, I'm not that old, but it's like I'm, just, I'm noticing, you know, like I bend down the wrong way or something, or I do something I could have done 20 years ago, and I'm like, oh, oh, you know, like, oh, we're going to have unaging bodies, and they're going to be young, like, it's going to be awesome, Death no longer is master over him, and therefore will no longer be master over you. Now, the second death has already been destroyed for us. So, like, the punishment of hell, like, that's out of the question. We are delivered from that death already. But the renewal of all things in Scripture is tied to you getting your body back new, refreshed, young, and unaging. Yeah, seriously, nice, exactly. Like, yes. Um, it will not be affected by sin or death any longer. That's what, uh, when Paul says, he uses the words imperishable and immortal in 1 Corinthians 15 to describe our new bodies. So, like, it's not able to be corrupted by sin. We will not be sinning. It will, it's unable to be corrupted by death. It's impossible like it's just immune we will have uh recognize, we'll, we'll be recognizable we'll have a recognizable body it's still us right like god is restoring us to us not to someone else like you you are your spirit but you're also very unique you have a unique body like it's you he's going to restore you to you and so you'll be recognizable, like we'll be able to recognize our friends and family in heaven. Jesus was recognizable except for when he was kind of preventing them, but in the uh, to the disciples after his resurrection, right So God is going to renew our bodies, but where are we going to live uh, Romans eight I'm just going to touch on that for a second God is also going to restore the earth, which is also very exciting to me. Okay, like, I don't know, I, I was excited about heaven, but did anyone else or does anyone else have trouble desiring that or looking forward to that sometimes because it just seems so, it's just kind of the spirit world and you're like, ah, I don't know, like, all I can relate to is physical stuff, right? Right? So the idea of spending eternity like that, it was confusing to me. I was like, um, like I love Jesus. I, I know I'm excited to be close to him, but the rest of it, is very, it was very unclear to me. So, so this has been really exciting for me to just delve into this a little bit more. Romans 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but because of him who subjected it in hope. God subjected creation to death and decay in hope. He had to do that because it was the result, the, the, the consequence of our sin, right? But he subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption, into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Us, our glory that God gives us. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. So decay and death are removed from the earth in a very similar way that he's going to renew our bodies. You know, like he's taking, he's giving us a new body that has no decay, no death, and he's going to remake the earth only without decay and death. So it's, in a sense, resurrected just like our bodies are. Isaiah 65, 17 says, For behold, this is God speaking, I create a new heavens and a new earth. 2 Peter three thirteen says, But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Like the early church, Peter's like, we're looking for the new heavens and a new earth. Why? Because like, that's our home. So God is going to renew, restore, and resurrect the physical realm. So that brings me to just the conclusion. But does that, it should should excite you. Like as you start to to really think about this and believe it, like, the physical realm is going to be completely redeemed. And that's going to be our experience. So, in conclusion, you know, is, is earth our home or heaven? Like, the, what's the deal here? Well, yes. So, there's a new heaven, a new earth, or heavens, new earth. I think there he's not talking about he's going to remake heaven like the place where God dwells. He's talking about the atmosphere and stuff. But a new earth. And what happens? Heaven does not go away or disappear. No, all that heaven is, the dwelling place of God, all its awesomeness comes down to the earth. Let's look at Revelation 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Like John's actually seeing this. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there's no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. God himself shall be among them. So we've been looking at the tabernacle. Kenny's been leading us through that. You've got the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. But this is saying, like God himself is going to be among his people. And it's as if the, the veil that is existing right now that kind of keeps us from seeing heaven, like Stephen, when he was stoned, at right before he died, do you remember? Like he looks up and he sees Jesus standing and he's like ready to receive him. So he actually like physically saw into heaven. But there's this veil over the earth that we cannot see like the spiritual realm that we call heaven. The throne room of God, the tabernacle, the temple that's in heaven where God is. We can't see that. But what's happening in Revelation 21, it's like that veil is being shredded. And it's like heaven marries earth. It's like heaven comes down. The new Jerusalem comes down to the new earth. And it's like the, uh, well, let me just finish Revelation 21. So God himself shall be among them, and he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall no longer be any death. There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. So it's like in Habakkuk when it talks about, you know, like this, the, the knowledge, well, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Back at 2.14. So it's like this veil rips open and like the glory of God just pours out and it's enveloping and covering this new earth, like submerging everything in his glory and the knowledge of God. And there's no death, no pain, like just God and his presence and each of us with new bodies that have no death, no aging, no sin, <laughs> a clean conscience, the presence of God. Like Jesus has a body. We will be walking with him. There's a physical earth. Like he's not gonna make it like a bowling alley, like where it's just hardwood floors, and all, you know, it's like, no, there's gonna be mountains. You know, I don't have time to go into it, but Isaiah 25. There's um there's mountains, there are rivers. Revelation, we don't have time. Okay, I better not go down this. <laughs> oh, I keep saying that. So there's a river. I mean, there's a river coming out of the throne room of God. There's trees. Isaiah also talks about animals. I mean, everything that was lost in Eden is given back, is restored. It's the renewal of all things. That's the hope that Jesus was preaching. Like, that's the restoration of all things. It's restored to you. Your life, life as it was meant to be, is given to you. Like, he undoes death. That is amazing to me. Like have you I mean, who can even come up with a plan like this? like not me i this is way better than anything I could come up with. like this is way better than everything I've ever heard, right? like you you get your life back, and it's total like just awesomeness like you <laughs> um, okay, back to the notes here for a second. I'm going off here. I'm almost done. I know I always say that, but I really am. But just, like, let your heart absorb this. Like, you know, his glory, he, it fills the earth. I mean, what is that going to look like? You know, when Jesus was going around doing healings and miracles, it's like, and he's, you know, always preaching the kingdom, Right? So his miracles and, and everything he was doing is like a foretaste of the kingdom of God. It's a foretaste of the renewal of all things. He's, he's bringing that kingdom to bear now. Like when he was on earth, he was like healing people. You know, those who were oppressed by the devil were no longer oppressed. Those who had disease found themselves whole and healthy. Those weighed down with guilt and shame were given the the gift of a clean conscience. God's kingdom comes. And these are like signposts to the restoration of all things. They're all meant to point to God himself as the Messiah and his plan of like, I want to restore all things. I'm going to restore all things. I'm going to kill death. I am going to undo everything that the curse did, and I'm going to give it to you. You know that's why he's like, "Repent! The kingdom of God is at hand." Like, turn from all that stuff that you're for some reason (laughs) want—the death and the sin—and you know, it's like the kingdom of God is here. It's total freedom. The restoration of all things. So it's Eden, but actually better. Because sin and death cannot enter this realm. Satan, the tempter, the accuser, gone. In jail, forever. (laughs) Right? You've got in Eden, you've got what spoiled things. You've got several (laughs) things going on there, but the serpent deceives Eve into giving away everything no more serpent no no serpent on the new earth or and what i mean is there's no satan in the new earth when heaven comes down and joins the earth yeah seriously like it's the end of evil everything is set right you know it's the final eternal defeat of evil And we're going to enjoy it with our bodies. Like just like Kenny was talking, I think it was last week about, you know, we had the the items of the tabernacle set up and he was talking about the senses and how God was bringing the senses to bear, like our senses. And it's like as a a point of connection to him. And, you know, like the bread The smell of the bread, the smell of the frankincense on the bread, the light, the water, the sounds of all of it. Like, you're going to be (laughs) experiencing all this in your new body, like, just like you have now, only way better. Like, you're going to run. You're going to feel grass on your feet. You're going to hear God speak. You're going to see God. You're going to smell. I mean, I don't know what heaven on earth is going to smell like, but it's good. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, if we have good smells now, <laughs> with resurrected bodies and a resurrected earth, I'm pretty sure it's going to be just that much more, right? So you're going to experience, it, you know, through your senses, through your body, and I guess this is such a big deal for me because, like, I just never really—I've always thought it's like more on the spiritual side. And God's like, ah, but I made you with a body, like, on purpose, and it was very good. I made a home for you, the earth, the garden, and it was very good. Like, this is, that's where we belong. Like, it's home. And that's kind of the final point I wanted to make is just, it's all that, but, like, we're the family of God. So, we're going to be like this huge family on this new earth, right? With God, our father, he's our dad. Like, like it's like the family reunion that is never ending. <laughs> Only, hopefully you have good, I have really good, positive memories of family reunions. So, <laughs> hopefully all of you do too. <laughs> Oh, but like, you're going to look at each other, even if it's someone that annoyed you on earth, you're going to be like, oh, you are so glorious. That's who you really are. We're going to see each other as we really are. As we were meant to be the new creation, that new man that God made you to be. We're going to see that in each other. And God himself will dwell among us. Like It's our home, and our home is his home. Like, what is it? Sukasa Mikasa? (laughs) Okay, so yeah. Like, we're gonna share a home with God. That's the restoration of all things, right? Like in Eden, there was communion with God, free fellowship with Him without shame, you know, before the fall. That's what He's restoring. So that's the promise of God to you. That is your hope. So look at what God is doing. Look at the story that you find yourself in. And in reference to the resurrection, Peter says in closing here, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Fix your hope on it. It's to me, it's a lot easier to fix my hope on on that than than what I you know, like what I just shared versus what I had in my mind before. And I'm sure it's just God's gonna be correcting me and like growing my understanding in this, but it's like, oh this is so good. Like you can't hope for something that you're not desiring. You know, that's a C.S. Lewis quote. I mean, you need to dwell on this until you start to desire it. Then you can hope in it. Lean on it. And then just Romans, two more verses. 8, 24, and 25. For in hope we have been saved, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one also hope for what he sees? But if we hope... For what we do not see, with perseverance we wait eagerly for it. So what I, th- I feel like, you know, God, he's like, you guys might have some hard times now and coming, and what strengthens your heart? What causes you to persevere? What, what, what causes steadfastness? And it's hope. Hope in the restoration of all things. Hope in the renewal of all things. That is, 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 is coming. I mean, God promised this. So what's going to stop it? Luke twelve thirty two. Jesus says, do not be afraid, little flock, because your Father is well pleased to give you the kingdom. I could keep going, but... I'm not. <laughs> so I feel like I should pray. Yeah. So God just seal our hearts and help us to understand. Give us eyes to see the hope that you have planned for us that you have given us. Help us to understand this. Even if it just, we know it needs to start in our mind, but help it to just saturate our heart and our spirit so that this hope comes alive in us and that people can see it and we can explain it to them when they ask us about it. This is what I'm hoping. This is my God. This is what he does. He's going to restore all things. You should be a part of that. So we just thank you so much, God, for for this, for hope. And we just praise you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.